0: I'm so glad that you joined us today. You guys are pretty amazing. I, I thought it might just be like me at church on Sunday, but hey, a little bit of weather's not going to stop you guys, right? So, uh, well, welcome to Hope Church. For those of you who are visiting us, um, we usually do a better job of clearing off our parking lot, but we'll get there, right? So, um, you know, I wanted to share with you kind of funny thinking about this morning. That I love spring. Look forward to spring every every year. I kind of have these flashbacks of the, my days when I used to play baseball, and I loved playing baseball on warm spring days like this, just kidding, uh, but loved to play baseball growing up, and I, I was a catcher, and, and I will confess, right at the beginning, I was not a very good catcher, so um, I, I guess I could stop the ball every once in a while. It wasn't that great at throwing the ball to second base with the runner was trying to steal. Um, I wasn't that great at calling pitches. I'm like confessing right now, but I can tell you that the one thing, and this is going to sound a little obscure. Don't judge me for this. But the one thing that I really enjoyed about catching was something that one of my coaches said to me early on when I started playing catcher. And they said, Sean, that home base Especially if there's a runner turning third, is your territory. In fact, that is a when it comes to someone coming around third base and heading towards home, you become an immovable object. <laughs> I love that. And, and so, uh, especially if you have the ball, uh, there's a couple advantages to being a catcher. One, you have like body armor, which is awesome, right? And so uh, you have that. You also can see what's going on. And I can remember some collisions at home home plate that were complicated. Uh, most of the time I won. I'm sure that I had some concussions before they had concussions, right? Uh, but, but I look back on that image, and I, and I want you to just picture for a second a catcher, probably better than me, who has the ability to say, you will not pass this space, As a Christ follower today, in a world that is confused, that has temptations, challenges, conflicts for us, there is two verses that we're going to look at today at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that summarize, some have said, the entire book. So if you missed the first 16 chapters, uh, we'll catch you up today, all right? And, And what you're going to see in these two verses Is a description of a lifestyle that I think is going to remind you of something really, really helpful and important. And that is when we are steadfast in our faith, there is nothing that can stop us. I'll just say that again. When we are steadfast, In our faith, there is nothing that can get in the way of us being what God has called for us to do. and There's nothing from being what God has asked of us. We can find ourselves being immovable. And this morning, as we study God's word together, I want you to just hear this simple verse. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to pick up in our series that we've called The Prodigal Church. And we're gonna see this statement that the Apostle Paul challenges, kind of his thesis statement for the entire book of 1 Corinthians. And here he's gonna say these words, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Now I'm pause here, some of you are like, is that sexist? And he's saying, just grow up. So he said, grow up, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Church, this morning, I get to encourage you with this wonderful passage of scripture to remind you that God has given you everything that you need to stand firm against whatever life throws at you. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God's given you everything that you need to stand firm in a world that's complicated for us? Let's be honest. There's three challenges that Christ followers historically run up against. The first Challenge that's historical and real is the world, the challenges of the belief of the world that's around us. I think that it's appropriate for us to recognize that the values of the culture that's around us do not always align with the values that God teaches in his word. So so there is a world that's around us that has temptations associated with it, that has values that press up against the things that Christ taught us and God's word teaches us. So we recognize that there is a pattern of this world that has a temptation for us. That's one challenge that that I believe comes our way. There's our flesh. There's the natural appetites that are a part of our life. that that when fed, they don't always get satisfied. C.S. Lewis says that for many of us, we have an ever-increasing desire for an ever-decreasing pleasure. And I think that that appetite that's inside of us, the flesh that's in us, um, it's not always the same for us, but there's an internal temptation for us to feed the flesh. And the church in Corinth was wrestling with these two, the world that was around them. They were in a sex-saturated culture, and and especially this mixture of religion and sexuality that was complicated in Corinth at the time. And here, what was happening in in the local church, in the community of believers, is that they were starting to look just like the world. In fact, they were using creative theology to justify behavior that went against what God's word was teaching. So the world was a temptation. The flesh was also a temptation. They, they were people who had the tendency to be, we use this word in church, carnal. What that just means is just natural. And we see in scripture these arguments from the church in Corinth that there were some of them that were like, does the resurrection of the body, is, there, is that really something that can happen do, do we really believe that bodies can become spiritual and be eternal? And so their philosophy and their logic and their, their worldly wisdom was a temptation for them. We also know that they were prone to immaturity at times. That they argued over which leader they liked and they picked and chose teachers of God's word that were the ones that fit them, custom fit so there's the world, there's the flesh in church. I don't want to overemphasize this, but I just want to remind you that we have a battle with the devil. Like there's a, there's a battle that we have with the powers and principalities of darkness. And we don't ignore them. We don't get weirded out by them. But I'll, I'll tell you this. When I was a catcher one time, uh, I was catching, we were just warming up and uh, I, I, it was a hot day and I put on the face mask portion of my my gear, uh, but I did not put the helmet on and I took a fastball to the forehead that probably explained some things about me, uh, but I took a fastball to the forehead and, and you can't make this up. I think there's pictures of this and it, the, the tread on the ball left a bruise on my forehead, right? Have you guys seen this? Well, it happens, I promise you. Um, I got clocked and, and I want you to remember when we talk about Satan that the Lord has equipped us with what we need. He talks about the full armor of God, and and, and Satan wants to attack us. He wants to tempt us. He wants to push us away from obedience to the Lord, and I don't want to overemphasize those three things, but I want to say that the world, the flesh, and the devil, uh, we're going to see, we're going to talk about this today, that the devil, we're going to recognize that there's a Uh, an attack from the devil that's described elsewhere as being like a pack of wolves that wants to destroy you. There was an example in Wyoming a couple of years ago where one small pack of wolves had killed over 17 elk in their community, just killing for fun, right? That's what Satan loves to do. He loves to steal, to kill, and to devour. So the world, the flesh, and the devil are always temptations for Christ followers. But I want to celebrate with you this morning as we study God's word. We're going to look at these two sentences, these small verses that that paint for us. The the backdrop of this picture is the the great redwoods that are in California. These giant trees that, that they're just steadfast. They're solid. They're rooted And I just want to say to you, Christ follower, if you stick with me this morning, that that there are tangible ways that you and I can be steadfast no matter what the world throws at us. Do you guys remember, as a kid? Some of you have done this recently, maybe um, those old kites that you used to put together. Do you guys know the ones where you could like pick out if you wanted Spider Man or Superman, and it was made out of like garbage bag material and there's like straws and um, you you remember like we had a big backyard in our house in Dayton where I was growing up. And we, we, it was a perfect yard for flying kites. But the joke was like the weather, the wind had to just be perfect to get that thing up, right? You had to kind of sprint to take that thing up, get it up off the ground. And when the weather was just perfect and the kite held together, everything was exciting. But there's a reason why you see that little thing stuck in trees all the time, right? It's because it's flimsy, it blows in the wind, it's designed to catch the wind, and I'm afraid that for some of us, and the reason why this message is so important when we talk about being steadfast, is that you and I are living in a hurricane-forced reality around us, the world, the flesh, and the devil coming at us, and I want you to just know, I want to encourage you in this, that you don't have to be afraid of it. But God's given you what you need in order to stand firm in the midst of a world that's broken, in the midst of temptations. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Be strong. Let all you do be done in love. I want to encourage you this, with this simple truth. The first point this morning is live with perspective. The text says, be watchful. In other words, pay attention. I think that, that it's important for us to recognize that this is a part of the Christian life. We've seen this in 1 Corinthians where he's reminded the church that there is a destination that you and I have that is not just enjoying life every day. You guys, look at that bridge. Some of you are like, "I'm not walking across that bridge, right?" Uh, you see that picture on the screen? Isn't that great? Like, you guys, you guys look at the one on the on to my left. I guess and you're like, "Man, what what happened there? What's that story, right?" I, I want you to notice something. Like, if I asked you right now uh, about your breathing, I, I want you to think about this with me for a second. If I asked you about your breathing, how's your breathing? Uh, I want you to just take in a deep breath right now. You can kind of sense that. You you know that before I mentioned your breathing and your heart rate, you were doing that naturally, right? It's amazing how God made us, right? That we don't even think about it. The same thing happens when we walk. You don't don't stand back and say, all right, I'm going to put my left foot before my my right foot, and I'm going to. Now, now, if you were crossing this rope bridge, you would have to be considerate, right? Right? You would have to be watchful. You could cross that thing. Most of us could, but it would take deliberate consideration. No autopilot to walk across that thing, right? And I say this because I say this to illustrate something that I think is important as a Christ follower. When Paul said this to the church, he said to them, you need to have perspective. You need to be people who are watchful and I will remind you, part of that is this understanding that the world that we live in is not our final destination. You guys know that, right? That, that the goal of enjoying life the most we can on this, that, that, that mindset is one of the values of the world that's around us. But God has something more for us. So, When Paul talks about finishing the race well and sacrificing on this earth, he was saying that my destination is somewhere different. Can you imagine the next time that you go to a hotel, that you decided that you're going to bring the U-Haul with you? And you were gonna bring with you your favorite armchair from the house and you were gonna bring with you some of those memorabilia that you love, your stuff from the vacation six years ago, that, that every time you went into a hotel that you, you brought everything you own with you, it would be silly, wouldn't it? But that is no more strange than an individual who has a promise of eternity confusing this life with what God has for us in our future So there's a recognition that this is temporary, that we stand steadfast partially because we have a dose of perspective, that we recognize that that God has something more for us. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that God has something more for you than just survival in a broken world? He's got a mission for you and a purpose, and so there's perspective that we have when we suffer. I think there's also this, in this idea of have perspective or be, pay attention or the way he worded it specifically in the text, be watchful. I think that there's a, an element of this, be watchful, that I think the Lord wants us to be focused on what's ahead. Uh, I think it was, it was uh, the, the great theologian, Freddie Kitchens. You guys remember Coach Kitchens? Who uh, I heard him in an interview one time talk about the, the, the former Browns coach that he said, there's a reason why you have that little rear view mirror on the top, but a big windshield. We, we, we don't want to spend our time looking backward. That was partially because we lost a lot, right? But, but, but that there's a focus in on what is ahead, and as a Christ follower, part of this be watchful is we take the next right step with the best data that we have. We keep doing the next right thing regardless of the consequences. Why? Because that's what it means for us to be steadfast. If we choose not to do that, we're like that kite that's, that's caught in the wind. It's kind of blown around. It's tossed around. And so we, we recognize that he's asked us to be people who are steadfast. I think it's also appropriate that we recognize here that there will be, uh, when we're focused on what's ahead of us or in front of us, that there is going to be internal and external threats to our faith. The Apostle Paul worded it powerfully in the book of Acts. or It's described in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30. It says this, I know this is actually Jesus who says this. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. I apologize. This is Paul's words. There will be individuals that will come that will attack us it's internal and external. I mentioned these, this, this pack of wolves that killed some, some 17 elk in Wyoming. And it just happened recently. And part of this is a description of the deceiver that's described as a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. There's threats to our faith. We don't have to live in fear of those threats. Why? Because he has given us what we need. The first point this morning is we live with Perspective. The second one, and it's it's related to the title of this message, being immovable, is to be steadfast. I, I think in the text, it makes this pretty clear. Stand firm in the faith. The foundation that you stand on makes all the difference when the storms come. This is a picture of one of my favorite places in the world. It's in the Abaco, in the Bahamas. Some of you know Uh, We served there as in, um, you know, I know, I hear you, suffering for Jesus in the Bahamas, you know, uh, I get it. But um, uh, we were actually, right before we came to Hope Church, we spent about a month on this island in the Bahamas uh, preaching at a church there. And um, right after we left, just a couple months later, there was a, a terrible hurricane that caused great damage to the island. And one of the things that you notice when you, when you see a place that's been ravaged by a hurricane is that you notice that not everything is destroyed. Uh, you notice that a lot of things are impacted. In fact, you know, with hurricanes, it's wind that is terrible. It's also storm surge is the water that comes from below. But, but often there are structures that are like this. This picture tells such a story um, because there were things that, that ended up on the beach that shouldn't be on the beach. There's decks that get blown away and things that, that, that because their foundation was not strong enough to be able to withhold what was attacking that beach, they, they got washed away. But then there's structures that have a firm foundation that, that when they were built, they intended to withstand whatever was going to come at them. And ultimately, there's homes, some of them that cheated a little bit closer to the beach because the view is a little prettier, that, that when they were constructed, they, they maybe cut a corner or two, and they said, can't we just get it a little closer? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to catch the sunrise, the sunset in this way? And, and ultimately, they were built on shifting sand. But you also see that there are structures that can withstand just about anything. Christ follower, I want you to catch this this morning. That God desires of that for us. That He does not promise us that He is going to prepare the path of life ahead for us. He is not going ahead of us and solving all of the challenges. He is not taking out the umbrella of God to protect you and I from every storm that's going to hit us. That's not how He works but instead my understanding of god's word is that he has said to us that he will give us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us for his own glory and goodness you know what that means he's saying i have prepared you for the path that's ahead but you, you got to trust me you got to place your faith and trust in me you got to trust that i know what's going on that i have your back i support you that that god, if god is with us who can stand against us and i I think for some of us, it's important for us to be sensitive. Remember, world flesh and the devil, that one of the things that that combines often is that is that we can find ourselves building ourselves theologically on shifting sand. You you guys you guys know that this works sometimes with diets. You guys have, remember some of the fad diets um, that have some of you ate an awful lot of of um, uh, fruit, uh, a particular citrus fruit. What's, what's it called? The grapefruit. Uh, there was a grapefruit diet that uh, that was a part of the. Was it in the '90s? Is that when the grapefruit diet was all the rage? Um, there have been some others. Um, actually, read about this. You guys remember Jared Fogle's Subway diet? You guys remember that? Um, you guys, you guys might have heard about the Twinkie diet. That was a thing. Um, somebody tried to market that. I'm sure. Hostess or whatever tried to market the Twinkie diet. I doubt it worked very well. Um, there have been others. Th- this one, I read about this. If any of you tried it, tell me afterwards, and I'll try not to judge you. But it was called the cotton ball Diet. Um, this was before Elf came out. But it was literally like eating a cotton ball to try. I mean, that's, that was a thing. How can, who, who thought of this, right? So there's trends when it comes to diets. We know that. We see it. Well, there's also trends when it comes to faith and understanding the truth of God's word and how we respond to it. And some of those things that are trending have the potential of causing great harm to us, or they misunderstand the authority and consistency of the truth of God's word. An ancient book that is incredibly relevant to the world that we live in today. You can make fun of me for being a catcher who chose not to wear his helmet. It seems foolish, doesn't it? But for some of us, when it comes to our faith, we're not putting on the full armor of God. We're not understanding the equipment that he's given us. We're ignoring the things that he's established for us. We're caught up in natural trends. I love this quote from Harry Ironside, pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, uh, in the 1900s, he, he said this, and this is a, there's a wonderful longer quote, but I'll just pull out a portion of it. It's so good. He says, if you want strength, he's speaking to Christ followers here. If you want strength, strength Christ follower, this is how you get it. Live in fellowship with Christ. Walk in the spirit. Feed upon his word. Obey his word. And then when the hour of trial comes, you will not be weak Need. You will not be vacillating. You will not be carried about like a leaf before the wind. You will have strength to stand and you will be able to glorify God even in the fire. Isn't that a great quote? It's so powerful. But what he's saying there is you have to act like you believe that this stuff is true in your life. You need to not just be a feeder of, of God's word on Sunday mornings. It will leave you underfed, you need to be a person who's a self-feeder of God's word. Establish yourself on this truth daily. And I think what's, what's beautiful and powerful about that is that it allows us to have a firm foundation of truth that allows us to make a stand. So, so as a catcher, they, they would always emphasize where your feet are placed and how you're ready. And it's, it's very similar to football in that, like that you're prepared for what's coming at you. As a Christ follower, I remind you, I encourage you this morning that not only has he given us the truth, but he asks us to be people who stand in that truth. I get to illustrate this in a beautiful way from scripture. Some of you may recognize the name of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Uh, Maybe more familiar, you know their names. Those are their Hebrew names, but they're uh, names in Babylon were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story. I hope if you don 't it 's awesome it 's so encouraging to me. There were Jewish men in exile, probably uh, closer to teenagers than uh, my age, and they were taken from their home country, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, uh, was was so arrogant that he wanted people literally to treat him as a god. so he builds a statue, people were called to worship that statue, and these guys. Who were uprooted from their home country and who were on this glorified internship that they were having underneath King Babylon, serving him? They just said, "We're, we're not going to do it. We're, we're not going to do it." And, and so, what what the king of Babylon does in his leadership is that he turns up the heat. Literally, he turns up the heat. He he threatens them with their life. He says that they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace and. And I want you to just see the response to this kind of fire. Their response was so incredible when they they say this in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, and they said to the king, this is King Nebuchadnezzar who is threatening them with their life, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. I want you to pause there for a second. And I want you to recognize that in the background here, there are these incredible furnaces that were used to make the kind of construction materials, brick and things that that probably had the ability to be cranked up so hot with forced air and things that like what we see from the text is that literally the people who pushed these men into that flame would die. It was that hot. It was, it was a real threat. Um, this wasn't just a threat to their reputation or to take away their material goods or to harm them. It was literally to murder them, to take their lives because of their faith. But their response back was so good. And I wonder, church, this morning, if you're tracking with me this morning, the question for each one of us that's so important is, in the face of challenge, how do I respond? Am I immovable? Let me let me show you an example of these three men who are immovable. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, we know him. He's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we, do not, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. In that moment, what they said was, we're, we're immovable. Uh, the God that we serve is strong enough to care for our needs. We, we trust that he's going to take care of us And whether it's that, that this fiery furnace is the ending of our human life, we trust that he's got the next chapter figured out. Church, I want to ask you this morning, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much in the valley of the shadow of death you are. I don't care how often you've thought about your life or death. I want to challenge you, whatever your age is, do you believe that whatever life throws at you, that you can handle it? If you don't, you're missing out on one of the promises that God has for you. Do, do you believe that your job has to just conform to what people push into your life to kind of draw you away from worshiping? No, no, it's not, it's not worth it. He's got you covered. He's faithful and good. I I, I think of this image and then I love if we skip down to verse 24, it says this, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. They, they pushed them into this super hot furnace. They, they expected that there was going to be uh, instant death, like those who pushed them in the fire. The story is incredible. And the text is funny. If you read it in detail, like it goes out of their way to talk about the clothes that, that these men were wearing. And, and part of the reason why they go on and on about the clothes they were wearing is that is that in God's miraculous, mighty right hand, his Power and authority. What ends up happening is that they don't even smell like smoke after this. Their clothes aren't even singed. That there's nothing that happens to them. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose up in haste. And he declared to his counselors, did we not cast these men bound into the fire? And they answered and they said to the king, True, O king, he answered and said, but I see four men. Some of us speculated, is this this an incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ? I think so. I think it's a beautiful image of Christ being with him, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. I think that my my kids talk about flexing. You guys heard this? Like Like I think that that God's just flexing right now And, and, and he's just showing off. Like, I got this. There's nothing, there's nothing that can get in the way of God, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of God's. So, so they went away. Their clothes didn't even smell like fire. I, I use this as an example of an individual or individuals that understood being steadfast. The next point this morning is that we, we can be people who step up to the inevitable challenges of life. He, He says, grow up. He says, be strong. I think that it's essential for us to understand that um, nothing must move Christ's followers. That the process of becoming strong requires breaking down and reestablishing strength. And here, literally, he's telling them to me, be mature. I think that it's also important for us to not shrink back as Christ's followers were told in Scripture that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That doesn't mean that we're always on the defense, always under the attack, but instead that we're pursuing what God has for us. And church, I'll tell you, in the modern world that you and I live in, that today is no time for us to retreat. Today is no time for us to give up, for us to shrink back, but instead I believe that the Lord has asked us to to be strong To step up to the challenges of life. He never promised that coming to Christ would solve all of our problems. He promised us he would give us what we need in order to thrive amidst them. It's time to grow up in our faith. It's time to take it very personally. It's time for us to be self-feeders. I think Paul put it beautifully in Hebrews 5.12. He said, though as of this time you ought to be teachers, you're still um, drinking spiritual milk. I think it's important for us to remember that life's challenges are inevitable, that bravery is absolutely required, but, but God is the one who is the strength for us. So when he says, be strong, I think it's important for us to recognize who we're being strong in. So in scripture, when it says, when the storms come, it says to build your house on the rock. That's what it means for us to have a firm foundation. And then the Apostle Paul does something that I love. I love this. So so he's got these strength statements. You can handle this. You've got this. Get back in the fight. And then he says something that may sound a little bit counterintuitive, but it's beautiful. He says, love always. Let all that you do be done in love I will tell you that um, we live in a time period in history where we were warned that there'd be a time in history when the love of people would grow cold. And I think that just like every other person in crisis, we recognize that there's ways to respond to the crisis of life. There's discouragement and frustration, and people are living that in the world that we live in. But I'll just tell you, I'll just remind you, brothers and sisters, that believers do not repay evil for evil. But believers make a deliberate choice to choose love. In 1 Corinthians 13, we studied this as a church family. Love is patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, keeps no record of wrongs, always trusts, always perseveres. These statements are deliberate choices that we make. We are people who choose not to repay evil for evil. Listen to Romans 12, 14 through 18. This is so powerful. It says, bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In this, this passage, if you grasp verse 18, it will change your family, your marriages, your life, uh, your parenting. If possible, as so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. Just love this description. Jesus modeled this. The reason why the picture that I used to summarize this point has the the crosses is is that Jesus just modeled this so beautifully. When he's literally being put to death on the cross, he's thinking about the salvation of the two men that are on the crosses with him. And as he's describing the truth of hope and the gospel and for one of them, truly this day you'll be with me in paradise. And then in the last breath of Jesus's life, can you imagine your last breath when you've been wrongly accused, when you've been persecuted, abandoned by the people who are closest to you, spit on, torn apart, that his declaration was what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Brothers and sisters, we don't repay evil for evil. We overcome evil with good. That requires us to love other people. It should motivate us. It should distinguish us from a world whose love has grown cold. And I think Jesus shows us what it means for us to live in this radical way. I want you to just hear this as I conclude this morning. There have been Four, four simple, I hope, meaningful points for you that God has asked you to live with perspective, to be steadfast, to step up to the inevitable challenges of life, to love always. And I think if you do that, you will embody these two verses that say, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, grow up, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. If we do that, I think that we are not going to be like that height that is tossed in the way it's kind of kind of funny and in, in Dayton where I grew up you know, we were about a mile from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and um, if you've ever lived around an Air Force Base where there are military aircraft some of the biggest baddest uh, of airplanes in the world would fly over our home we were in the flight path of those things and there's these times where the contrast was so tangible, where I'm, I'm trying to get my brother to hold this little plastic thing that I can hardly get up. And we're trying to run to get this thing up. And then these awesome jets would just go flying, like buzz our, the, our home over us. And it was just such a contrast and I just, I want to say to you that for some of us, if we're just tossed in the wind right now, if we're hanging on to, to the cheap stuff that's, that's just blowing around, we're missing out on what the Lord has for us. And the description for each one of us that he's asked of us is to be steadfast, stand firm, let nothing get in the way of your ability to live and obey the Lord. And as we look back on this, uh, this entire study of 1 Corinthians, I hope you've enjoyed it. We, we've talked about it being the prodigal church, and uh, we want to learn from their mistakes. We want to understand how it impacts the way we live our lives today. And I think in these verses, what he's saying to them is, you guys, you don't have to be stuck in what is, is trending or what's fancy or what, what are the things that other people are stuck in. I have something so much more for you be steadfast, Father God, we love you, and we thank you for this morning and I, I think of that quote um, that um, that was said about about being people who feed ourselves with your Word, that are established, that have understood that we don 't have to live in fear, and I, I pray for our church family today in in a, a recognition that we are surrounded by the world, the flesh, and the devil, every day, that there's temptations and challenges for us, Lord. I thank you and praise you this morning that you have provided for us exactly what we need. Would you teach us how to be steadfast? We pray this in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, amen.